another episode of Echoes on Air. I am excited to be here. Chris, you're home. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I was just, I was just saying, yes, it was very nice to be digital, online, Zoom, home. Uh, I, yeah, I yeah. Missed I'm really you. excited. You, I have missed I know. You. It's been a while. It hasn't been since our live show. It ha- yeah, it has been. It was a live show that we were uh, recording last. So cool. Um, so shout out to you on this episode because I didn't know what we were going to talk about. And I was like, uh, hey, yo, co-host, uh, listen, I'm God nothing. What you got? And you were like, let's talk about digital blackface. And I was like, cool. I don't know what that is. <laughs> So <laughs> here we are. Um, right. We brought some cool, cool, cool people. Um, I brought a friend and you brought a friend. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce my friend and then you can introduce your friend and then we can all awesome. be friends. My friend Tiffany, I miss your face. No, I'm so excited to see you. My friend Tiffany, we go way back to a whole other country, but we are we are friends forever. Um, and I was thinking about this uh, topic, and I really have no clue why I called you. No lie, have no clue why I called you. But I was like, "You're the one." So here we are. <laughs> um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, podcast folks. I <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to <laughs> talk to folks, but hi, podcast folks. Uh, my name is Tiffany. I am. I have the honor of being Janelle's friend. Um, who saved me from a lifetime of boredom in Colombia. And you know, it's really interesting. Maybe I'm just gonna tell a little bit about our story for like two seconds. You know what brought us together was actually her book, Echoes of the Struggle. Do you remember that? I do. I'm gonna summarize because it was a wild story. Basically, I met this guy who was like, hey, there's this book called Echoes of the Struggle, it's great. Then this one time I saw Janelle in a cafe and she like, she had an American accent and I was like, oh, bet, American folk. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, and she's like, yeah, I wrote this book called Echoes of the Struggle. And I was like, I know that book. And she was like, I just made it two months ago. That's, you don't know this book. And I was like, no, I do. And then we found out we had a mutual friend. And then we just, you know, spent so much time together in Colombia and it was great. Especially around the coffees. Especially <laughs> around the coffees and the cafes and the Starbucks. And it was fantastic. <laughs> um, so outside of being Janelle's friend, <laughs> Um, I'm doing a master's at Cornell, looking at economic and financial policy, uh, and I'm also working on a um, wine recommendation startup with some other lovely black women at Cornell, and we're making it happen, and we just got accepted into an accelerator, so super excited to see where that will go. Um, it's called Vince. And also, I really need you to let me know when it launches, because I will sign up, because I love wine. <laughs> Um, if I may, same. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. I'll, you guys will be the first ones to see it. Okay, but I also, I'm sorry. I stepped on the name. So what's the name of the service? Vinstinct. So like instinct, but with a V. Mm-hmm. And like Vino. There's a lot of fun right. going on with the name. Like I really screamed when <laughs> when. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, it's a little bit about me. Yay! Okay, fantastic. Um, so I guess I will introduce our other guest today. 
who is Eric Keaton, and we know each other from the internet. I feel like we're being very old school. Like, I feel like on Twitter, like, like black people on Twitter, on Twitter used to like meet up and be like real life friends all the time. But like, I feel like that stopped in like 2015. But we're bringing it back. Uh, so yeah, I, I put out a call on Twitter uh, for this episode, and uh, and Eric, who who we've been talking a lot on Twitter, like for a, for a minute now. I have been a humble reply guy for like a year and change. I feel like at at least a year. I love that a humble re reply guy. I love that. <laughs> as far as qualifications go. Hello, Internet. My name is Eric Keaton. I have a bachelor's degree in history, and I am currently toiling away for minimum wage until I can find a teaching job. Unfortunately, I feel like you will not be the only one who is familiar with that story. Wait, but also I didn't know that you were like an aspiring teacher, the best job, the most important job in the world. The Legit. most important job. Legit. I don't talk about it much because I fail a lot at like actually getting jobs. So I try and like keep that part away from Twitter where I like rage into the void at like the hopelessness of this godforsaken country. So that is an excellent yes. segue. <laughs> no joke. Yes, accurate and excellent segue, both the Twitter and the hopelessness. Let's talk about what we're talking about. So, okay. So, for those of you who are like, we don't know um, what this is. We don't know what they're talking about. Great. You're in great company. So, we're going to do some uh, defining, if you will, um, because... Very exciting. Very it. professional. Right. We need to, like, sit, like, do some foundation work, I guess. Um, but does somebody want to actually just hit us off with, like, a real simple blackface Hopefully everybody knows what blackface is, but like the other thing is, is you never take for granted that everybody knows what something is. So um, somebody else want to hit us off with a definition of blackface and then I'm going to define the other 18 things that we're going to talk about. 18, really three, but 18. So if I can use my history de degree real quick. Yeah. Blackface is an originally American art form that goes back to the late 1800s and early 1900s, wherein typically, but not exclusively, white performers would darken their features, usually with makeup, and perform comedy sketches, musicals, any variety of things as black caricatures, almost always extremely offensive ones that reified the worst stereotypes that white society had about black people at the time. You mentioned that it reified stereotypes and I'm wondering how much it also created them. You know, like how much of their caricatures were, you know, just completely false that they then used to create this narrative and not necessarily, because there's sometimes where people draw on, you know, things that they see to create stereotypes, but I wonder, how much of you know the stereotypes that came up through blackface were completely falsified? So there's overlap historically there. The creation of a lot of these anti-black stereotypes that we know today happens in the same period that blackface is becoming popular, the late 1800s after the Civil War. 
So, like, pre-Civil War, since Black people are literally enslaved, you have this idea of Blacks as, like, simple, but loyal and generally good-natured, and that, that's, this is Uncle Tom's cabin. And then after slavery, once white people feel like they have something to fear from a free Black population, you get the creation of a lot of these stereotypes about Black people being criminal and hypersexual and all of this. And Blackface comes up around the same time that these stereotypes are being codified. So they, it kind of, the process feeds back into each other. Interesting. I definitely didn't think about the fear aspect that white people would have had that would have influenced the development of stereotypes. But that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I agree. But also I could also go off on another tangent that I won't go off on about the use of black bodies with respect to white fear. Based on what we just learned specifically about blackface, um, actually, I want to build up to the digital block face because that's the main thing that we're talking about. So just to give you some more definition, transracial identities um, is something um, that, so transracial and black fishing um, are two terms that came up when I was looking into digital blackface because I didn't know what it was. And so I was like, so is this like so-and-so? Is this like this? And I was like, no, that's transracial. No, that's black fishing. So apparently there are all kinds of things that we need to add to our vocabulary. So transracial are people, um, transracial people are individuals who assert a racial identity for themselves, which differs from their birth race. Um, so that is a specific definition, which I could tell you where I pulled it from, but I can't. So that is, I'm reading, but that would refer to people like uh, Rachel Dolezal and what was her name? Jessica Krug. Okay, there we go. Okay, so that would be transracial. And then black fishing is a recently coined term um, used to describe someone accused of pretending to be black on social media by using makeup, hair products, and in some cases, surgery to drastically change their appearance. Um, so that is very different from digital blackface. So based on what we just learned about blackface, digital blackface refers to white people, or I'm gonna add non-black people, using GIFs, memes, emoji, and other images of black people to express various emotional reactions online. So that is very a very specific part of the definition, but I felt like if we were just gonna talk about that, it was gonna open up too many other conversations. So we might as well just call it what it is and talk about all three. So here we are. So now we have a foundation. I have already said, I didn't know anything about this. So I'm gonna ask y'all, how much did y'all know about digital blackface before I said, let's do this episode? Like. Chris included, like how much did you actually know about what this was? Well, I mean, so I, I partially like suggested the episode idea. So I was familiar. I mean, I think a lot of it came out of, you know, just recently this whole Jessica Krug thing came out. And we found out that this woman who, and we'll get into this later, but like she neither particularly looks nor sounds as though she is of African-American heritage. Um, and, and we'll get into, you know, believing the, 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 the racial identities that people assert and, and how some white people now are taking advantage of that. But, um, 
you know, that whole thing with Jessica Krug happened, and now, like, three more have come out. It's like, now that one has, has scurried out, we got, like... I saw one that came out literally an hour before this podcast. Shut up! Right! Right! Also, yeah, your, your use of the word scurry is just <laughs> all scurrying out. But yeah, yeah, no, what was the what was the woman that just, I think she was an activist in Indian, in Indianapolis. Oh, maybe. That's not the one I was talking about. I was talking about a grad student. How many? What? This is yeah. so. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm amused. Like, now y'all want to come out as black? We struggling. <laughs> well, no, I mean, right, right, right. But also somebody said, hey, now's a good time to jump ship. Uh, right, but B, right. Somebody said, like, if if they all sort of come out at once, then they can kind of duck under the radar. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. there won't be enough outrage energy to be mad at all of them all of at them. once. That's yeah. true. Cause yeah. now I'm just cackling, really. <laughs> I'm also right. hoping we just do a sweep, you know, and that we're done. Like this, right. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to guess. I don't want to have to, I, I just, 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 I don't know, be you, live your life. Like, and like, let that be a thing. And, and, and to be fair, many of these people do have like trauma in their history. That is not an excuse. But apparently, the Jessica Krug lady, the first thing she said was like, I had this trauma in my past. And, and I've been assured by professionals that sometimes almost dissociating or trying to take on another identity is a, is a relatively common manifestation of that. So I think in addition to talking about the individual issue of like, what are you doing? Like what's happening? Also, like we can sort of talk about the the systemic issue of okay, yes, maybe I acknowledge that for some of these people, part of that is coming out of a mental health situation. But then why this? Like why why is this the role that you are allowed to fake and that you are and that you thought of to fake and that also you kind of received? Why did you? Because so many of them are in positions of leadership and power. So it's like how not only did you think to pretend to be black, but also why did a white person pretending to be black have access to so many things that black people and especially darker skinned black people don't get access to. So anyway, I, so there's, I, you know, okay. So, okay. Oof. So yes, acknowledging that mental health um, is a thing and that, uh, uh, yeah, but um, so like there are layers to that, right? So like, <laughs> so like yes, you can hilarious. <laughs> so like, so like yes, and you could also be utilizing this because you feel entitled to do so. Like that can also be a thing that's very independent yes. of you yes. having yes this issue. Right, because right. I do think that, that that's a big like the entitlement was there. Yeah. I'm 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 having like I wanted to I wanted to be like you're yes, like these are you know, trauma is it but Trump, you know, I, I I have never and I don't I don't wanna say I'm I've been traumatized in the way that they have been traumatized, but my trauma has never made me say, you know, I think I think I'm gonna be white. Also can't can't do that. 
Literally, that's, right. that's the big part. That is the big part. Is like it's it is inaccessible. Like being white is inaccessible to everybody else who was not actually well. That's not necessarily true because there are some people who can pass as white, but for the most part, it's not accessible to people who are not actually white. Yeah. The thing <laughs> is that like the impulse to do it might be there for us. Um, the sportscaster Mike Tarico is a helpful example. You might want to look him up. Um, but the thing is, these particular manifestations would not be possible without the American truth that white people can do whatever they want if they try. Like, that's the, that's the bedrock. Facts. And, that like, one. maybe not even try that hard. Just do. Maybe not even try. Just do. That that right there, because most of them are not convincing. I, I definitely wasn't convinced by Jessica Krug. I was like, really? This was the one? Because she didn't even have braids. At least Rachel Dolezal had some braids where, you know, you couldn't really see. You know what I mean? That, that really can, can trip you up. But she didn't have braids, so I was like, <laughs> guys... <laughs> But you know, I don't, but again, did you, did you be like, wait, who did you fool though? <laughs> right. But I wonder also how much of that is influenced by the fact that now I know, right? Because there are also other people who I've seen who are, who have features that I would consider white and they, you know, and they're black and I, you know what I mean? And so if it, I, I, I don't necessarily know where to draw that line, because if they're telling me that I'm black, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to be the one to be like, no, you're not. Right. And you're not going to ask them for their birth certificate. Right. It, which also doesn't, I don't think it even lists race anymore, like how it used to, you know, you used to have like, well, oh yeah. Anyways, but um, yeah, it, it's hard because I can get that, you know, you don't want to push back on what someone identifies themselves to be, because that can also be a really long, difficult journey for people. To get also to a place traumatic. Also and traumatic. also traumatic. To even get to the place where they can say, you know, I am black. You know, mm -hmm. like maybe that's something that was really difficult for them. So I wouldn't want to be like, oh, you're not. I am of the position that we should keep the one drop rule and like enforce it stringently. I've policing another person's blackness has it's never, ever been my bag because I know, I know that we come in just about every shade. And sometimes we, we really do be on the, on the paler end of things. I would prefer to like keep the model we have where if we find out we are coming for your job and every inch of your reputation on twitter.com <laughs> and also at your job place as well like it, i don't want to it can't just stay on twitter we can't just roast you on twitter we can find a way to do it in real life to write a little you know just a nice little note to your supervisor just so you know <laughs> i heard she was black this weekend like what you say <laughs> not not this weekend oh no <laughs> What are you gonna that's, say? that's the one I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the one that's black on the weekends and white during the work week. Because honestly, that's that's the move. If you have the I mean, option, like if we're like all fun and games aside, 
it's it's a strategy. Like all fucking games aside, it, it it ain't the one I would pick, but it's a strategy. I have not found an example of a white man doing the whole being black on the side. But if we do find one, that's gonna be the one black on the weekend. It's gonna be a white guy from like Macon. John Bacon in Atlanta. Wow. He's gonna be looking like John B. (laughs) 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 Okay. Furthermore, I still believe John B is black. I don't care. Why why can't he be the one that we want? No, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I thought he wasn't. No, I don't think he is. Cue Tiffany looking it up. John B is (laughs) white. She's like, yep, I am. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, for the benefit of the many listeners who probably don't know, John B. was an R&B singer from the late 90s, early 2000s, who had a song called They Don't Know, which ever made everybody think he was black because it was a very black song sung in a very black way. But he's white. On the, on the, but on the subject of, of, like you said, the, the one drop rule, like, I personally, I, I think everybody's black. Like, my, because I have so many family members that are, that are very, very bright. Like, mm-hmm. my... My dad's side is more like my skin tone, like brown. But mm-hmm. my mom's side of the family, as you know, Janelle, is very, very light. And I have, I have an uncle who, I, you know how sometimes we know somebody's black, but like white people don't always know. Like you look like that. So like mm-hmm. where if you as a black person look at him, you're like, I think I see something. At but, minimum, he's ethnic. Like at right. minimum. <laughs> but white people may or may not always know and then uh my cousins uh, my aunt is white and so between their you know very light-skinned father and their italian mother they're uh, my boyfriend says they look uh either irish or jewish um obviously and they're like they're as black as barack obama is right yeah. like you, there's no and I, and I as black as anybody else i don't i don't like to <laughs> to quantify blackness based on percentage or something because you know lord knows we're all we're all uh, a lot of different things here in america but um but yeah i i i am the last one to question the racial identity of somebody because i know people who i know people would be like what you're black i don't believe it yeah but like i i have 150 percent proof that they are you know um and so that was one of the things I was really interested in was the question of how people like Jessica Krug and Rachel Dolezal, et cetera, undermine people like, for instance, like the rapper Logic, right? Yeah, who I didn't even is, know. Yeah. Who looks very white and is definitely half black. And like, you know, there was a lot of argument and people didn't really want to give it to him being black. But like, then I, this whole thing came out that like his mother used the N word to refer to him. So I far be it for me to deny the blackness of somebody that had that experience, you know, that's a very, that's a uniquely black experience. And so I, I'm interested in that relationship between people who could pass for white and are black and claim it and people who are white and claim it and sort of how they, how, how one, how they both, undermine and and non-intentionally enable each other do y'all do y'all know what i'm getting at well so like that also brings like me to the next question which was what do you think the draw is right so like it's really 
easy to understand why fair-skinned people would say that because they are right but for people who aren't what's the draw what like why do you think people are so happy to wear blackness in that particular way there's a drive in most cultures to seek the unique and to seek the exotic and for a lot of white people black people are a kind of exotic that's right in your backyard you don't have to learn another language or radically change the clothes you wear like you're still wearing shirts and pants and in tailored styles that are familiar to you but because of historic and ongoing segregation we look like the trappings are similar but we're a world away and that's a very easy kind of exotic to access for white people i think i feel like at least for me i've noticed that this happens when you have people who are leaning into blackness very 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 hard from like an academic standpoint from an activism standpoint things like that and they're leaning into this community aspect um and this community aspect that's working towards this goal of you know liberation or you know certain policies or whatever and so i wonder how much leaning into that is a draw for them because i feel like i don't i don't see this in like engineering right i don't see this in computer science and maybe it's there and i you know i just don't know about it but it's it's always in these spaces that are charged with emotion and community building and struggle and and this and this and that and so i wonder how much that is a draw to people and wanting to really get into that deeper i like that i think that does make a lot of sense too because there is the community aspect of it and there there is the bond of i mean you actually said it at the beginning when you were like black girl columbia also I mean, like so there's like the the sense of kinship is is a draw so like i i could see where that would be especially in spaces that are usually white spaces if you're in academia or specifically when you're talking about community <clears throat> those types of 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 uh groups as you mentioned are the ones who are trying to go into white spaces and make change or what have you and so i think that also speaks to it what do you think is the difference between because we know not just in blackface but we also know that people um black people included um dress up as indigenous people and dress up as <clears throat> um other cultures specifically what do you think is the difference or is there a difference because I, I feel like we have all these terms and maybe this is my either my ignorance or my own um privilege and that i don't know i don't know what the terms would be if it were you know anybody indigenous or or from um, various asian um cultures but what do you think is the difference or is there a difference and why do you think we have so much vocabulary around this that's being discussed and not in other communities so terminology wise we do have yellow face and red face that are used similarly and there yeah. are also examples like half the western shows like watch wgn on like 11 a.m and you'll see like westerns where they're white men in red face playing natives yes and as far as for why it feels different or why it is different i think the biggest thing is power right like if 
you have Nicki Minaj doing all the Chinese ethnic appropriation, right? The bl- the blacks can go to war with the Asians on Twitter and in the culture, and that's a relatively fair fight, right? Like there might be more black people than there are Asian people, but not so much more that it's just that there's no real cultural competition. With white people, if enough white people decide it's okay, we, that's not a fair fight. We can't win that fight in the culture if enough white people decide we ain't gonna win it. So, and also in fairness, I wanna clarify, I'm aware of, of red face and yellow face, but specifically um, this new digital black face, because I don't, I, I don't know, like I'm talking about th- that particular conversation around the newer terms. But I don't know if you know that because you you keep coming out with these facts that I ain't be I, I, I don't be prepared for. So I just want to make sure I clarify my question and then wait patiently for a response. I'm sorry if I'm going a little too hard. No, you're not. I, like, I am appreciative. That's why I was like, let me clarify. We I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love that. Yes. No. I was like, we got a historian. Yeah, like no, I am not. I am. I am not at all. That was not shade. That was just me being like, no, but I want to make sure my question get answered though, because he got answers. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> I am not aware of any specific terminology around like this phenomenon, but for Asians or but for Native Americans, and my intuition on why particularly in the Native American case, is that there's not an, there's, for the last hundred years, there's been a cottage industry of specifically black art that has been available for commercial consumption for both white and black people, and for everyone, in fact. Mm. And there's not the same tradition for Native Americans, and to the extent that it exists for Asians and Latin American people, there can be a language barrier that prevents that from happening. But I think particularly with like Bollywood stuff and like with K-pop coming over, the more Asian and Latin American and indigenous media that makes its way into American culture, we're gonna have those conversations more, I think. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, on a certain level, there is a term for that, and it's, uh, it's weed, right? Like, like, any person that takes on, particularly, like, Japanese anime culture, very aggressively, like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, it's not quite the same thing as digital blackface, and it's not necessarily frowned upon necessarily in the same way, but there is a similar vibe of, like, you're very interested in that culture and you've taken on that culture for to express a lot of things that you don't know how to express within the framework of the culture that you grew up in. And that's a little weird. Yeah. Weeb is derisive, but not an accusation of racism, I think is the difference. Uh, okay. Right, yes, yes. So this next question was actually something you asked, and I want you to talk a little bit more about it. You talked about the emo black thought, Chris. Hey, okay, yes, 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 yes. 
Tiffany, I don't know if you were if you were like heavy on Twitter and Eric. I don't know if you followed Emo Black Thought, but Emo Black Thought was a very popular Twitter account. Did you did you follow Emo Black Thought? I I didn't follow, but I I think or I knew of the aftermath at least. Right. I was very into the aftermath. <laughs> I followed after the aftermath happened. <laughs> I went back through the tweets. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I followed. <laughs> okay, fair. Okay, so to give right, a, a, a quick recap for yeah. our listeners, uh, Emo Black Thought was a popular Twitter account um, that often tweeted out, like, uh, was famous for the reminders to do your skincare routine. Like, did you do your skincare routine tonight? Did you drink water? You know, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I was actually a big fan of this account. And unless you followed closely, it, 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 they could seem very, like, gender ambiguous. Like, you know, I think that the avatar was pink. And, well, like, that's obviously nothing to assume a, a gender over, right? But, so, so. Uh, this account's very popular. Then the uh, the creator of the account sort of comes out. It's, it's been an, an anonymous account for years. And the creator of the account, whose name is uh, Isaiah Hicklin, comes out in his paper magazine uh, feature and says, yeah, I'm behind emo blacktop, blah, 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 blah. Well, as soon as that happened, it comes out that, like, no, emo blacktop had very explicitly um, identified as a woman online. Um, and, and, and the most obvious of which was there were tweets where like this account would talk about having a period, which obviously Isaiah does not. Obviously the, the man behind the account does not have that experience at all. Mm -hmm. And then it, it further came out that like, you know, he had been in some all female um, DM groups, which got really like really problematic to say the very least um just in terms of him misrepresenting his presence uh in an all-female space um and so that's not quite obvious it's not digital blackface but it is really digitally claiming a gender that this person is not and and so that you know caused a, a big twitter scandal uh and definitely uh you know the loss of some opportunities for that guy etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but I was wondering how that intersected with pretending to be black, either online or or in real life. Would that be blackfishing then, or like like because like some of these things start to like overlap, and you're like, wait a minute, y'all are doing very similar activities as as the digital blackface in people who are also fishing blackly, and then transracializing lines. <laughs> I think that would be the parent term of blackfishing, it, it would be catfishing. Because yeah. there's a whole show of catfish, and oftentimes, right. perk people would be masquerading as another gender in order to pursue their goals, whether they be romantic or otherwise. That's, that's just regular run-of-the-mill catfishing. And blackfishing was a riff off of that to describe the specific oh. racial phenomenon. Hold on now, Tiffany has a very specific thought that crawled through her head. <laughs> Do we know where the origin of the term catfish came from and why the particular term cat is used and also fish? I just don't, I just don't know. Raising the question as part of intellectual discourse. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know the etymology of catfish, and I think I'm thankful that I don't. I'm a little scared to look it up, but I, I feel like Chris is looking it up right now. Like, I'm a little scared to look it up, but I feel, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's definitely. Yes, I'm absolutely looking it up. I will report back shortly. Uh, discuss as I. As so, okay, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep, okay, well, do you have a response? I do, because I, right, outside of that one, I feel like I, you know, I had to take a step back because I was, I was kind of confusing all of the different terms in my mind, um, mm -hmm. and I do think that this particular instance, to me, leans more into catfishing, but I guess it's also blackfishing if he was pretending to be a black woman, but even when we were talking earlier about, like, digital blackface and why it's um like I guess like why we don't see it as much for other groups I guess like for me I struggle with with thinking that people people using gifs and emojis and things like that is actually them taking on a different identity and I guess from what I understood from blackface from digital blackface to be is using different media representation to share emotions or to attempt to be a persona, but I guess I don't see it as attempting to be a persona when people use these different emojis and things like that. Um, so then it's hard for me to really think that that's blackface and, and see how it then applies to other people as well, or digital like, I appreciate that because I think that's how I'm separating it too. Like, I think I'm separating blackfishing as you're you're actually pretending you're embodying this versus digital blackface is you're using this. You're not claiming blackness, but you're using this image to support something else that you're doing. And so I do think that those are different and I think I have different reactions to them. Um, <clears throat> neither of them good, but different um, uh, reactions to them. And they vary in terms of, of, of uh, irritation. Is blackfishing, do we see blackfishing as a strictly digital phenomenon or also in person? Um, because then I wonder how is that then claiming a transracial identity and where's the difference between just like, like putting on layers of bronzer and actually, and like believing that you are black, I, I just, I feel like that's the thing for me in terms of crossing that line is like black fishing becomes transracial when it's on when it's in person when like when you black face because that actually is the question that Chris asked too is like what's the connection between people um, in real life pretending to be a different way, race and then people doing so online and I think that's where the terminology differs and that one for me is like transracial is when you pretend to be that race in real life and then black fishing would be but I I also and maybe I'm I'm being too specific but I also um, think of black fishing specifically um, from a commercial aspect. So like you're pretending to be black for some type of capital, whether that's um, likes on social media or that's like you being able to get like followers or people who are um, paying you like whatever that case is. Like I feel like I usually, like that's where my mind goes first to black fishing. So these people who are trying to sell makeup for example like oh this is great for our skin color and you like boo that's not your skin 
color. Like that to me is, I clapped all those out. I didn't realize I was doing that until after it happened. But like I'm saying, like that's, that's, that's what I, and I don't know if I'm being too narrow now that we have opened up all of these definitions, but that's kind of my immediate gut reaction when I'm thinking of black fishing. It's also for some type of gain. I think the distinction you draw on black fishing versus transracialism and what black fishing is used to do, I think that's sound. On the previous question of um, whether digital blackface specifically is the best term and whether like the use of Oprah as a gif is the attempt to take on blackness in order to mock it, I was doing notes for this and I had a thing, a distinction to draw. It's the difference between enjoying Al Jolson, who was a like a professional blackface artist and a really famous one, and like enjoying Step and Fetch It. One is like the greatest entertainment evil and is like endorsing the taking on of an identity. And Step and Fetch It is like a demeaning caricature of black people and like you can it's in bad taste and like enjoying it too much and endorsing it should cause someone to side eye you but it's not the same thing as blackface and i think digital blackface is saying that is saying that like using black gifts is an al jolson level sin when it's really more of a enjoying step and fetch it level sin yeah, yeah, that does make, and I, and I like that distinction, right. It's, it's the way that, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like Dave Chappelle, it's like Chappelle's show, right? Like the way that he got specific at certain, like got um, suspicious of certain kinds of white laughter. Like there's ways for you to enjoy this that are okay, and there's ways for you to enjoy this that are really getting into like, why are you laughing? You're, you're, you're not laughing at what was intended to be entertaining, or you're you're laughing at the confirmation of a stereotype, right? And that's, and I think that that's also what's, what gets questionable about using all these black gifts. I would also take it further than that and also talk about like, not just the use of black gifts, but the use of like, when people try to use uh, black English on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever, it's, it's you know, talking about like, there was a, a, a video that we watched for this that discussed like there used to be a, a translator online where you could translate into jive or whatever. And I feel like a lot of people, their tweets sound like they're using an internet jive translator because it <laughs> does not sound like any black person I've ever we heard. We wouldn't say that. <laughs> so the, so then they then they start then they really start sounding like white people. Not even so like so like You sound more white. Yeah. <laughs> In in your attempt to sound black, you actually sound more white, not black. I, I also just don't get the appeal of it. I don't know. Like, for me, I'm just like, why would you want, like, I don't know. I Like, when people, like, use these different things, I guess I'm always wondering, like, what, what, is, what is the benefit for it? Like, with GIFs, I can get, right? Maybe this thing is, is conveying a specific emotion. And also because there's also a, an emotion that I think is 
embedded into the GIF in the way that Twitter uses it and the way that other people on social media use it. But with like the, the I don't know, the use of Black or the attempt at the use of Black American English, I just, I don't always see what, what people gain from that, especially when they're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? So like you're using it incorrectly. What, what is your gain here? I guess that's always my, my question when I hear it, when I see it. I think it, it, it is about like social acceptability, right? So like it's, it makes you cool. That's what you gain. You gain cool points. That's, that's what you're going for. And I don't know if, if the thought is like that makes you more well-rounded because it makes you sound like, like, oh no, like I have friends that are in this circle enough to where I know their language or I speak their language per se. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know the thought process behind there, but I feel like that's where it's going. I feel like that's what it's getting at is, is the cool points um, <clears throat> in terms of, I don't know, using those, but that also brings up the question that I've actually been struggling with is like, what are we saying? Are we saying that people can't, used them is that like is that what we're saying because so so the video we watched which for those of you listening we will put the link of course as usual but like for for that particular video it like she said very clearly we're not coming for you we're not we're not coming for you like we're not saying you can't use them we're just saying be cognizant of of like why you're using them um i think so before I get to the question, one of the things that the video specifically said, though, is that the more popular ones are the ones with Black people, which I think is the thing that needs to be discussed more so than should people be able to use them or should people not be able to use them, is like, why are, why are these more popular? But what really got me in the video that made me feel it because I don't feel a particular way when I see somebody white using one of those. Like I, I don't feel a way um, in particular because it is a particular emotion. But the, I guess the, the phrase that got me is the outsourcing of emotions to black people. And I was like, whew, that was heavy for me. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily am sure, like, I believe that that's what's happening, but the, the connection of it is what hit me is like, only black women can, and I'm, obviously this is not only because people don't only use those, but, but the point is, is that they're the more popular ones. So does that mean that only black women are capable of giving you the side eye of, of, uh, you know, being happy, like the Oprah one where everybody's happy, the side eye, the frustration, like, what does that, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm talking in circles. So I guess my question is, is are we saying they can use it? Okay. I'm turning my mic off. So I definitely don't, I, I'm here for people to use whatever gifs that they want. Like I don't have time actually Same. to care. I really Police don't. your usage. I, I don't, really I really don't. I, I mean, I agree. I do think it's helpful for people to take a step back and think about how might some of the things that they do innocuously actually contribute to larger things. But, you know, reflect on it and then just like maybe consider your use more judiciously or, or not. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I also feel the same way. Like I'm not as, I'm not as tied to that. Um, I think the concept, the concept of 
outsourcing emotions to black people or specifically to black women is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I agree with it. I, I, I appreciate your upward inflection because <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that I, I get it. And I also I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I also only kind of get it because it's just like, I, I feel like when I think about outsourcing emotions, I think about making actual Black people feel the emotions that I'm feeling or take on some sort of emotion for me. And I don't feel that a GIF makes people do that. You know what I mean? Like the person who is in the GIF is not, maybe if it's, maybe if it's being used harmfully, like if, you know, if there's like something disparaging within the GIF that's like put on, so, that you know. I eat the Dave Chappelle crackhead one. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe something, yeah. So maybe something like that. But I feel like if the actual person is not being harmed or like immediately disparaged in the use of it, then I, I, I don't necessarily think it's outsourcing it to them. What I don't, what I don't, um, like, and I think the video also mentioned this, was when it's used on people who are not always in the best of circumstances or dealing with something difficult, like when you are getting somebody at their worst, mm-hmm. and then you're using that as a representation over and over and over again. Um, to me, that seems more harmful. Let's also be specific in case people don't click the link. So we're yeah. talking very specifically about, uh, I can't remember the name of the case, but honestly... Yeah. It was actually used uh, as the Kimmy, the Kimmy Schmidt thing. Yes. Um, the TV show, they used the, the women that were kept in a, a bunker or something like yeah. that. <clears throat> and that they called it the neighbor story where you have these neighbors that are um, usually the ones that are being pulled out to, to be interviewed after some major crime or catastrophe yeah. has happened. And so it's um, the one that you're talking about specifically is the man who was like, who found these white girls. Um, but you are using that as a representation. Um, and I think it was also like the way that they, you know, put like funny. music to it and everything. And then, but, but right. Also, Antoine Dotson was a big thing, you know, like way back in the day. And we made, and we made him a big thing. Like, we like, like we, like culturally, which I didn't get. I was, I was one of the people who was like, what is this mess that y'all is doing? Also, um, one of the reasons that I, I had to do that on a couple of our, a couple of our award shows. Cause you know, I was like, I don't, I don't be having, I just, I'm just here for the performances. Um, <laughs> I'm not here for the, for the other stuff, but we made him culturally a big thing. We brought him onto whatever show we had and had him do a whole song. Um, I think it was like a soul train something or a BET something. And they, they flewed him out. He got flewed out to perform um, his, his neighbor song. So, um, and that, I don't know how I feel. I don't like to me something about that feels off. Yeah. Um, in which case we are also yeah, complicit. not even complicit. We're <laughs> enabling and we're, yeah, we're all of those, um, and, and participating in this. Yeah. And it's hard because it's like, at what point, like, are we, are we thinking that it's helpful? And to what point is it actually 
helpful or not because now he has like a real estate company I think and he's doing some other things and I was like okay that's great and who knows if he would have had those opportunities um but you know do the ends justify the means was it appropriate to sort of leverage him in this way even if it did benefit him in the end I don't know I also have oh wait you have a a statement you're reaching go for it as far as the formation of how these gifts get made to, to become a gift you have to be in some visual media prior to whether that's television or film right I think the reason why you have so many black gifts is because to get in visual media to begin with someone somewhere needs to judge you as exceptional, right? Exceptional enough to be on the screen. And the bar for black people to be viewed as exceptional is higher, which means that the black people we see on screen, the black cultural productions that get made and get big and get recognized. And in the case of like the news guy, black folks in especially trying circumstances with exceptionally out there reactions to those circumstances, those are the ones who get on. Like there are plenty of crazy white people in the neighbor, like in like the neighbor interview slot, but for a news editor to pick them, that the bar is different, I think. And so when you have all of this exceptional for good or ill black media, you're going to get some exceptional gifts. And so white people are going to use the exceptional gifts and we will too and have a lot of fun doing it. Well, you know, what that brought up for me was there's that, there's a very popular meme of it's upsetting me and my homegirls. Y'all know the, the image and it's like these two black people that just walked out of a club. And I guess somebody was shooting at the club and like the line was like, uh, if you can't go to this club, where can you go? It's upsetting me and my homegirls. Bella Noches. Wasn't it Bella Noches? I guess. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can't go to Bella and, <laughs> and I think it's interesting because that gift or that meme to me was very popular among black people. I don't really see white people doing it. I don't really see white people co-opting that. And I think it's precisely because I think black people like that meme because the black people in it are unexceptional. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not giving an over the top emotional reaction. They're not giving a big performance. And in fact, it's funny because the performance is so subdued. It's like, if you can't go here, where can you go? You know what I mean? Like, this is in theory a pretty big thing that people were shooting at Bella Noches, whatever. But the reaction, we're interested in the reaction exactly because it is, it's upsetting me and my homegirls, not my hair is on fire. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm going to give the biggest reaction I can. And I think that that's interesting and points to where, it, where the whole digital blackface, co-opting black um, emotional expression can be problematic. If the thought is, I go to the black gift when I have an over-the-top emotion. Like, think about the white gifts you see. That's, like, that's there's, there's, point is the over the top emotion. Like that's, that's what I mean with the outsourcing of emotion. Because if you're just like giggling, then the little, what is it, Jennifer Lawrence or whatever her name is, there's a little gif where she's like, he, 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 like it's right. a, a little giggle. That's the one, Janelle Nicole Gray uses that. I, I like, I'm like, he, 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 that's funny. Like that's the one, but when it's, but like when I'm for real laughing, I'm going to the, what's the homegirl that was on, uh, dang it, I can't think of, uh, the Flavor Flav where she slides off the, 
she slides off the <laughs> like yes. that one where she's see that's yes. the one i go oh, to but, i find it absolutely sure. hilarious or the one where the black guy is like hitting the back of his chair and clapping like that those are the ones that i go to but the point is is yes it is the over the top emotion so that i think is is my thought as well and again even with the laughing there's that gif of the of the black piano player that's trying not to laugh clearly in church and black people use that one all the time and it's understated and it's subtle and i don't really see white people using it i could be wrong but it I feels like i think the other no I, I get that and i think the other part of it for me is that i know that these over-the-top emotions aren't all we are and i think that's where the issue then comes for people who are using these that aren't necessarily black like yes ain't nobody got time for that because that's how i feel in the moment but i also know that this is upsetting me and my homegirls like i also know that we have this range of motion of emotions and yes i can use the i, I don't know i guess I, and i i also think that um it's very assumptive that that the people who are using them also don't know that like it's it, for the non-black people who are using them also aren't aware like I, f I feel like that's also a disservice because a lot of people are aware that there is a range of emotions with black people there are a lot of people who aren't but many people are so it's also assumptive to be like oh they don't they don't understand that there's i don't know i also wonder how much of this is also dependent on context. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know the, the piano player gif that you're mentioning, but that one might provide more context that Black people may be more inclined to understand, and therefore it elicits a different reaction in us. Yeah. And maybe other Black people don't always have that context, so they lean into something that does not need context, right? And maybe that is something over the top. Like maybe there's a subtlety that we can appreciate because there's context related to it. Whereas with like, and I think about the Oprah one that's like, yeah, like that yeah. one. And I think like you don't need context to understand that she's excited about something, you know? <laughs> and part of that is accessibility, right? Of Oprah, like we all know, you know, more or less everyone knows who Oprah is. Um, and that was also something that was talked about even before it became a GIF, right? It was always, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car, right? So I, I wonder how much of it is actually accessibility and people just not having as much um, access to the context behind other, um, you know, some of the more subtle gifs that also include Black people. I want to ask a question that maybe shifts it a little bit from that, but to like the TikTok dances. Like, how do you guys feel about those so like now you have so okay um oh we didn't watch this video as a group as a people before um but there is a, a, a video one of the videos that i linked so you guys can look at it later too but um it's it talks very much about the tiktok dances and it talks about um white suburban kids really embodying like whatever black culture is so it could be like there being the hot cheeto girl um which I, let me describe because it i know exactly what it is the the girl who is unbothered and she's pulling a hot cheeto out of the thing and she looks at the camera and eats it 
and then keeps moving like the the unbotheredness of it all um but they have that and and like even the oh i wish i i wish we had played that one at the beginning um because it even goes through and has like um the things that they're actually writing which is like when the ghetto girl says blah blah blah, blah or um the usage of um like these particular discs but in on TikTok, where you have Mimi Leakes, who is talking about this particular area of town and being like, oh, this is the ghetto. But then they use that particular soundbite in their TikTok to talk about something and be like, oh, the ghetto and stuff like that. So like, there's some, cr oh, you look so weary, Chris. <laughs> I wish y'all could see what just happened, but he looked in the camera so weary of what I'm talking about. <laughs> It's because that 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 is like the most egregious example of people not understanding um, how to use Black English. Because you write, it's Wu Child Ghetto, right? But people will write out Wu Chile, yeah. and then they don't know, and they see C H I L E, and then they think that you mean the country, and it's and it happens constantly yeah. off of just that one specific moment from a real housewives episode that went viral yeah so like how i guess how do you guys feel about that and like you can lump into that like or maybe not maybe you want to address those two things very differently but like um i can't remember um the little sister's name that did the the dance that everybody was doing <clears throat> the renegade yes um <laughs> and how she got trampled and we finally got her her shine. But um, like, that was one of the other things that was being talked about um, in, in one of the other videos specific to like um, digital blackface, which I don't necessarily think is digital blackface based on what they're saying. Oh, yes, 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 we're saying it is. We, okay, cool, cool, cool. No, 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 I'm agreeing with you. Digital blackface oh. may or may not be blackface. Yeah. I struggle using the term, I struggle even using the term digital blackface when people are not, even if they're using different emotions and things like that, I still struggle to call it digital blackface. And I, I so I think I'll, I'll step away from using that term for people just like, um, you know, using different emotions or wanting to be certain things. I guess for me, I tie it into like, the the physical representation um because other than that i think it's maybe just you know cultural appropriation or whatever or just leaning into whatever but i feel like it's like for me i think about it really in terms of like his you know with like the makeup and the exaggeration of like the physical features and so i feel like if you're not doing that um if you're doing that on a digital platform then hey digital blackface but i i feel like if it's not that then it's some other aspect of cultural appropriation and sensitivity something else but i think i'm struggling with the term blackface because i feel like it is so i feel like that term is so heavy um and i feel like what people are doing now is maybe more innocuous um and maybe it's because i want it to be and maybe it is actually more severe than i'm giving it weight to but that's just sort of 
how I feel about um, it. Eric was about to say something, but before you do, I wanted to clarify a thing that you just said. Are you saying that in order for you to say, like, if even if they're doing it on a digital platform, it has to be a physical change or can it be behaviorally? And I'm just, I'm, I wanting, I'm wanting to clarify what you meant because some of the TikTok things were very, they were, and, and, and I also struggle with this because like what makes a dance a, a, a like, I mean, it is black culture, but does that make it black? You know what I mean? Like, so I also struggle with that, but I'm just wondering what you mean, because it's very, it's very clear that in these TikTok videos that it is behaviorally and it, and it may not even be specific to a race. It's like suburban versus urban. Like if you're not familiar with this particular culture, um, then behaviorally, that's not that's not something that belongs in the, a suburban area that or that is suburban culture, I guess. Um, so I'm just wondering if you can clarify, and then Eric, you can jump in. I, th I think for me, it would have to be like a physical representation. I think if it's behavioral, then I, I don't. I wouldn't see it as digital blackface. Would you see it then as as um, appropriation, or are you not terming it at all? I guess I would see it as appropriation. I guess I would see it as appropriation. You can think about yeah. it. I mean, even, not, yeah, there's, even there's no that. final answer here. You don't get money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, can, you, can just, you can just not have an answer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah. May, maybe then I, I just won't have an answer. It's somewhere floating in that realm, but I don't really think I have a term for it. So a couple of things. First of all, there is hardcore, like legit blackface on TikTok. I've seen it. It's horrifying. I called a girl Miss Allison Jolson in the comment section one time over this. Like she, she was, I think she was trying to blackfish, but it got like, it was like Tiffany, your color and like a bright red lip. And this was a white. You know it's bad when you put an H in it. So like, yeah. and and dear dear friends who are not um who are not no dear white friends. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I was trying I was trying to get around it. Dear white friends, when when black people put the H in the word white, it means something so different. When they say she was a white woman, it means something so different, but continue, Mr. Keaton. The next thing is that I think the dances are a separate category because they're just white kids who listen to hip hop, which is a lot of kids. And I'm if they appropriate a dance without credit, that's an appropriation discussion. If they didn't appropriate a dance without credit, and just let them dance badly. It's, I, for me at least, it's fine. I too dance badly. And I would not want people getting mad at me in the comments. And then, I really wish that you could see all of us cracking up. Like I'm looking at like the four split on Zoom. And when he said, I too dance badly, I just feel that that resonated. <laughs> because I too. Listen. Right, exactly. Dancing badly is for everybody. It's for yeah. everybody. No one has a monopoly on that. No. 
let me tell you about the anxiety when my mother decides she wants to tick in top. I'm like, no, I don't want to learn it. I don't want to do it. This is, I Get Tracy. Why is Tracy in New York? Back? Like, I'm struggling. So I totally get it. You know what I find interesting? Small diversion. I'm so sorry. I find there's like this weird generational jump that happens on TikTok. Like, you have like our parents who are like, could be really into it. And then the folks who are like a little bit younger than us. But then I feel like people who are, our age are like, no, no, and I, find that- I, I don't know very many of my, my good, strong, like my older millennial friends, even like we like, nah, we good. Like, listen, we got Twitter, we got Instagram. Uh, we got Some of us are still on Snapchat. Like we just listen, <laughs> it's too much. I don't and We went through MySpace. We you went know what I mean? Like, we've already transitioned through a whole platform. Like I, I don't think I have, the energy for I don't that. have it in me and we, we have find and now we got reels on Instagram so what I need a TikTok for like this is just too much but you know what else but yes I agree with the generational split and if I, I had one last thing on blackface and blackface adjacent things on TikTok I think we get a little too caught up in like specifically needing skin darkening to denote blackface, right? Like skin, the the reason you skin darken is just to tell your audience that you are playing as a black character in order to demean them. If you have someone on TikTok doing a little skit and they like turn their hat backwards and put on a necklace to denote that they're playing a black man and then proceed to mock them, I think that's not functionally much different. And so, like, the hot Cheeto girl stuff, I, I will be salty at that. Because, like, that is a very specific stereotype of black and Latina girls in middle and high schools across America who wore baby fat pants when baby fat was cool. Come and on, Come the on, only people who can make fun of those checks. girls are us. The only way, so honestly, but honestly, okay, so this actually might, that statement might actually go back to, <clears throat> Tiffany, your your point about, um, dang it, why can't I remember nobody's names? Um, dude that we put on the soul trains and the in the neighbors. And Anton Dodson. Thank you, child. Oh, Lord. See, that's a Wu Chile moment right there. I'm struggling, y'all. Okay, but also this comes back to your statement in terms of like, is it okay that we put the, like, it's one of, I feel like that is one of those things is like, we, yeah, we can laugh at it, but you can't, which also go ties back into Chris's statement with Dave Chappelle saying like, I'm uncomfortable with the, what, whatever that white laughter is. And so I think we kind of full circled a little bit there going from the Dave Chappelle to Tiffany's <clears throat> statement of Antoine. And then Eric even saying like, we can make fun of them, but you can't. I think that's also the, the root of it is kind of like, I mean, I say this about my, listen, I can make fun of my sister. I can, I can talk crazy to my sister, but talk crazy to my sister if you want to. And it's going down. Like it's going down. Also, I have many sisters. So control C, control V for all of them. So like, I, I, like I'm going to have an issue. We're going to have problems, but we roast each other all day long. So I, like, I, I, I wonder if that also has a lot to do with even us terming some of these things. And like, is, is that 
do you think that's a familial thing where it's like, no, no, we can laugh at these things because we know that these are a part of our culture, but no, no, you don't get to use these. I think familial is a really good term to like demarcate like what, who can make fun of who and why, because the reason familial roasts are okay is because A, we are ultra familiar with each other. Like we know each other in and out. And also we know where the line is. And in the same way that like, I might not know the line with your sister, white people don't know the line with us. And so we should police it similarly, I think. Also, I think as an addition to that, I appreciate that, but as an addition to that, white people may not know where they have crossed that line before. So when you have multiple crossings of the line, then it becomes offensive as opposed to this particular thing is like, okay, yeah, like I, I think it's also, a, it, it also starts to accumulate whatever that line is, whatever actions you're starting to think, okay, this isn't just like a statement with this particular meme or what have you. This is a thing that you do often. Well, and I would say to that point, like to get back to the question of, uh, we, will, we won't call it digital blackface, but, but the, the question of when does like using a black cultural product to express yourself become a problem? It's like, well, okay, nobody's going to be mad at you for posting one Oprah gif, what? Like, but then if it's, well, you post a lot of gifs and they're all black people and they're all black people doing something very dramatic. Oh, and sometimes you like to dip into a very bad black English when you like comment on the internet. And now I see you posting about your inner black girl or whatever. Okay. You, you, so it, it, it's, it's that, it's almost like, it's like one twentieth of an infraction. But once you do 20 one twentieths, you get to a whole, now this is a whole problem. I'm sorry, y'all, I just had a flashback because I drew, I had heard this before and I couldn't place where it was. When I was in college, I was an RA in a dorm and one of my coworkers was a conservative white man. And one day we were fooling around at the front desk of our building and homeboy pulled up one of those, oh, I think it was a BuzzFeed video talking about either digital blackface or something similar. I don't think it was one of the ones you shared, but it was something similar to that. And I drew that exact distinction of like, one is one, is one thing, but when it becomes a pattern of behavior, black people are subject to start to side eye you and eventually confront you about it. I drew that exact distinction. That, yes, and I think I think that's the line with gifts and with using black cultural products. Lesson to white people: be more judicious with your cultural products. Broaden your horizons, like it, the range of what you consume and the depth of it. Right, like we discussed, the more subdued reactions versus the over-the-top ones. White people, for those who listen, don't just broaden the range of what you have, but the depth and like the intensity of what you have to reference and to call on in cultural conversations. So, yes to that. 
and also I, so I'm teaching this class. I, I just actually posted it on my, thanks friend. Um, I'm teaching this class called Black Narratives where we're actually focusing on um, art that is created by black people and looking at some of the things um, <clears throat> that are communicated. And that kind of linked to me, that, that statement brought something else to mind that I will probably share with the class as well, which is, even with the people who are using these, I also wonder how, this is the part where now I'm starting to have a problem. See, now I've talked myself into having a problem with you using this. Um, it took me a minute, but now I got a problem. But my problem would then be, um, how, how much black media are you consuming? So if you're not even consuming the things that produce these types of memes, then it does start to feel a little, so like we're using them because they have the emotion and because we do have a little bit more of the context. And again, this is um, things like Oprah aside, right? Things that are, again, with the accessibility. But for some of these that are more obscure, but that are very extreme. So like if you're, I don't know, I, I guess I'm just wondering how, so are you only using these types of images and GIFs and, and whatever, memes or whatever, but you're not even consuming black art or stories or anything? Like I, I, I now have a little bit of an issue there because then it makes me feel like, oh, you, you are using that irresponsibly a little bit. So I have a couple, well, just some thoughts. Um, I think that actually, I, th I think that's a good point. Just thinking about like, what else are you consuming? And I think it also goes back to Eric's point about the exceptionalism of what we see on media, because I wonder how much people are aware that some of the GIFs that are using are from shows that are sometimes prompted to be more dramatic than normal, like things that are leaning onto folks from Real Housewives, right? Like that typically has more drama and animation than... Uh, you know, standard interactions. And so if people don't necessarily know where that's coming from, they may not actually be able to place the fact that it is exceptional. And so they may, they may, right, and this is assuming less of the viewer, but it, you know, it may assume that they don't necessarily know that there are other ranges and that there is a more subtle range because they may think that these people are, you know, just run of the mill doing run of the mill things in this more dramatic way. Um, so I definitely do think that's an important question. And I guess I also, I also kind of wanted to go back to the point we were making about, you know, we can, we can make these comments on our folks because we're family, but I kind of want to challenge that thing about how much are we actually family? Because there are, there are folks within the black world who may look at these gifs in a demeaning way, right? And sort of lean into stereotypes that they have about different types of black people, depending on where they come from, what they sound like, et cetera. So you know, and I don't, you know, I don't want us all to like please each other and blah, blah, blah. But there is also still a limit even with all of the jokes that we make. We, even as Black people, we need to be judicious about how we're using certain media and, and why we're using it and, and our you know, reaction to it. Like, are, are we, are we laughing too hard? Are, are, are we giving a laugh that would make Dave Chappelle uncomfortable? You know, like not Dave Chappelle, but but yeah. that's possible. And I think even when he was talking, I think I was on mute, but I was, you made a comment where you were like, we know the line. And I was like, hopefully, which brings me 
like, like you were saying that and I said it, but I didn't say it, I guess, out loud, but I agree. I do think that we, and, and in a way I feel like we have always kind of policed that. And I say that as the black girl who grew up in the suburbs where it was like, Oh, Oh, now you talking like that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's that, that line that I think, I do think that in a way we still police each other's blackness. And I understand that we're saying we don't want to do that, but I feel like in a way we, we do that. And so <clears throat> if I could be accused of that in, in real life, then I could also be accused of the same thing on social media platforms where, you know, I'm using this and, and this could be just me or this could be any person in the black community, which also answers one of the questions that we had, which is, are, are we participants, enablers, um, complicit? Like, what part do we as black people play in blackface, digital blackface that we're not really calling digital blackface, I get, but, um, <laughs> but blackfishing and transracial identity, like what parts, and I mean, I guess that's an open question. What parts do you think we play or do we play any or do we play some in only certain areas, but not others? Um, to just to quickly say, I, I felt a little stung by not stung negatively, but like um, the idea of like, are you actually engaging with the source material when you share all these gifts? You know, like I've shared a lot of New York gifts. I don't know how many episodes of Flavor of Love or her various other reality TV endeavors. I have actually watched, you know, I went back and watched. I have seen them. So I am both um, proud and ashamed to say that I am a <laughs> part right. of that because I have consumed that particular part. <laughs> but I do think that, that it is, you know, it just makes sense. Like if you find yourself as black people, as whoever, if you find yourself using this gift constantly and you don't even really know you know, just go back and watch the episode, you know, or, or watch part. And at least, and it gets, it gets to one of the other things that I think we haven't talked about, but that relates heavily here is, did you run them their money? Like, did you support what they were doing? You know, did you, did you watch the episode? Did you watch the ads? Did you follow them on social media? Something like if you get all this enjoyment and all this use out of their cultural expression, with Oprah, it's fine. Oprah's a billionaire because we all watch Oprah. All of us have fed into Oprah's ecosystem at one point or another in yes. life. Yes. But with, even with New York, even with people that are not as famous as Oprah, how have we, and this to, to get to your question, Janelle, how have we fed back into that person if we're going to get so much out of them? And I think that's, that's where it becomes problematic for everybody if you're getting a lot out of something and you're not putting anything back in. And to be clear, we're not saying go watch every single episode of all the things that you're doing. We're just saying absolutely monitor. not. <laughs> monitor. Like I'm just saying, like, are you consuming this type of art at all, or is everything that you're doing? This is going to be a throwback statement, but is everything that you're watching very Seventh Heaven? But you pull in. Yeah, I said throwback. I said it. I prefaced it. But you got what I, I love saying. it. But, yeah, you know Seventh Heaven. My mouth was open. I was like, "Wow, Seventh Heaven." It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm really feeling that I'm the youngest on this podcast. Yeah, you are. You are. I am. Yeah, 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 gone. yeah. And do you know? And do you know? So, like, we haven't talked about age, but let me tell you, when I knew how old you were, is when you didn't laugh. When they laughed when I said Seventh Heaven, and you did not. <laughs> it was like, oh. 
I turned 23 on Sunday. All right. Well, happy belated. Wait, you turn or turned? Turn. Like this oh, coming okay. Sunday. Happy early. Yay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like if everything that you're consuming is is essentially nothing with people of color, but everything that you're sharing is a whole bunch of people of color, I think that and 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 the thing with that is is at that case, who are we to know? Like who am I to know when I'm watching you share that that you're not using that? And so like it like like do I really have the power to to say that you are participating in what is termed digital blackface because I don't I don't know you could actually be using that particular meme because you're familiar with that thing that they're talking about but I think that also goes back to what Eric and Tiffany were saying is just be very judicious about what you're using when you're using it and also just take a step back and and like this has nothing to do with you um bringing it to like a council of black people, your tribe of black people. You don't have to take this to your tribe of black friends. You can just ask yourself, you know, is this a thing that I'm doing? And also comma, black people can do the exact same thing because this is not uh, a one way street here. We also participate in several ways too. So like, I think, <clears throat> I think that was a good rule at the very beginning and we probably could have stopped the whole podcast by saying be very aware of what you're using ask yourself questions and good night <laughs> i think we could have done that <laughs> wanted to ask one last question as we've kind of dug through all of this but like what do you think are the dangers because i think it's really easy for us to all look at everything that we just talked about and just also jokingly and also acknowledging some of the things and laughing at ourselves and, and each other. Um, what do you think is the danger of any of those things? Because I think that there may be people who will say it's, it's just a meme. Um, but we've also, and, and I think as a group of us, like we also kind of agree with that to a certain point. Like we're like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't share because I also don't have time. But um, if we're telling people to be careful, what is the danger if they're not careful? And if I can add to that, what also is the danger of the quote unquote bigger things, the black fishing and the, um, and the transracial identity? Like, as we said earlier, all these transracial people all weirdly wanted to participate in the struggle. A lot of people have said Jessica Croak's uh, scholarship was very good, was very helpful. She made great points. So why is it so bad for these white people to pretend to be black um, if they are contributing, question mark, to the community? I think, for me at least, the big risk is destabilizing the position of legitimate actors in the community. I think a big driver of the Jessica Krugs of the world and of the Rachel Dolezals in the world being involved in scholarship and activism, the reason they're drawn there, I think in part, is because Black women enjoy a certain pride of place in Black culture as keepers of morals and culture and of like political power in certain ways and when we when we have interlopers who are not quickly put in place right 
that creates space to set for more sexist elements, say, to say, let's put, let's take black women as a whole and like displace them from a pride of place that they have earned. Like the weak links are out. <laughs> I'm the only cishet guy on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, the, the we be wildin'. And oftentimes, from the stories that have come out, we are the ones defending the Jessica Krugs. So we are creating the space for the displacement of black women. And then we are the ones who are going to profit from it if it happens. So specifically, cishet black men need to be on the lookout for these things and on the forefront of policing actual interlopers of white people who really are crossing lines. I think my, my nod was a nod of uh, ag- agreement and sort of like understanding and also just thinking about it from a different perspective from what Eric said, basically. I was like, oh yeah, like those are, those are good points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like one of the things I agree with is that it, it just takes opportunities away from folks who could also benefit from it um, and who, you know, may have been displaced from those positions, you know, due to structural things that I don't think that uh, people like Jessica Krug would, you know, would have experienced. Um, And it's also, you can, you can be great and scholarly in African-American studies and also be white and like, yeah, and that's okay. And, and maybe it's, you know, maybe, you know, people like that don't necessarily want the backlash that comes, you know, that comes with being white in African-American studies. But then you get the backlash of pretending to be black. So. Well, but my issue with that is, so. I'm sorry, you don't want the backlash, then don't go into that. Like, like, you know, the job is dangerous when you take it. Like if you're genuine, if you're there because you're genuinely interested in something, then that doesn't mean you get to sidestep somebody who, who essentially maybe has a question about whatever, because I know this is going to be like, I'm, I'm a little bit sidestepping, but I'm going to go to the statement of dance specifically. So um, with people, white people teaching African dance, right? So I I know that was, I knew that was going to get you. I'm not even looking at you, Tiffany, but I feel you. Like, I'm not even looking at the screen, but I actually feel you. Um, But um, because she's also a dancer for people who don't know. So, (laughs) but, but white people specifically teaching African dance. And if, if you are, I do have friends who are white, who do teach African dance and they're aware that they're going to get backlash. And I think that that's just a thing. Like if that's a thing that you enjoy and it's a thing that you genuinely enjoy, um, you also have to be aware that there are people who are not gonna wanna take class from you because they want somebody who has, I mean, like, I think, I think that's just, it's a thing that comes with the territory. And so I, I don't understand why someone would think that they get to, to avoid that by pretending something else. I think that's, that's where my frustration would come is like, so, so you want to avoid this by doing, by pretending to do something else. Um, I think that's where my frustration is. But to your point in terms of academia that, you know, I've taken, 
in grad school, I've taken all these classes and a lot of these classes have been in African-American studies and I have yet to have one single black teacher in the last three years of my grad school experience. So, and, and a lot of my classes are, so like the, I, th- I think that there's something there to be said for people who are also pretending to be black. Also think about like what place you're taking because you're, you're, you've already dominated the field. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's kind of my, st- my thought specifically on people teaching. In summation, you ain't got a lie to kick it, but you do have to answer some questions. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Amen. I love it. Yes. To get back to now to your question about uh, about also what's wrong potentially with what we're not calling digital blackface. Like, I think the thing I've been thinking a lot, like what connects these things, you know, because, you know, when we were having an initial conversation about this, you know, we kind of got from that topic of Jessica Krug into this digital blackface thing. And I think what potentially connects them is the way that you instrumentalize blackness, right? Like Jessica Krug used blackness. She isn't black. She didn't, I guess in theory she contributed, but she, she, she used blackness as a costume, as a way to get, frankly, a bunch of accolades and awards that she probably would not have gotten as a white scholar even doing the same scholarship because we know a lot of these white, you know, or white dominated awards panels want to give accolades to black people. And so were she doing the same work without using blackness as a costume, she, she probably wouldn't have gotten the same attention and the same admiration and the same grant money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that that's what connects from the big terrible things of Jessica Krug, like what on earth are you doing to the little thing of, you use a lot of these like reality TV show gifts is how are you instrumentalizing? How are you using blackness or black culture or black people um, in a way that is dehumanizing, you know, instead of there's a way to engage with any cultural pro- uh, product respectfully in a way that's not, that's that, that recognizes the, the producer as a person, you know, you can engage with Nene leaks in a way where Nene Leakes is a person who does funny things, or you can engage with Nene Leakes in a way that Nene Leakes is a character who jumped out of a cartoon somewhere of your fantasy of what you think black women are like. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that for me is the connection, is, is how are you using this as, a, as an object? Or are you treating us like people? Which is always the thing, right? Are you treating us like people? It seems like such a simple question. And also, why do we have to ask it? (laughs) Are you treating these people like people? I feel like I'm um, watching so many thoughts happen and I don't know if I should move on because like you're shaking your head, your eyes are moving. Like, I'm like, I don't want to move on because I see it. I just don't know what the Yeah, I I don't know if I actually have like a fully formed thought, you know, but it's like, okay, are we treating people like people that's forever a great question. And then I'm also wondering like, and this is again, maybe like a totally separate conversation, but like, do we treat celebrities like people, right? Because like some of the most of the people that are being, a heavy amount of people that are being used are celebrities, right? Whether it's Jennifer Lawrence and whatever, Jif, whether it's Oprah, whether it's um, somebody from Real Housewives, whoever, right? 
they are they are celebrities and we are using their you know like whatever their animations and things and it's like i mean do we do we give them the full humanity that we give this you know that we hopefully give the same person on the street uh and how how does that actually influence you know like the way that we use gifs and that and I just like that the thought that and and uh, eric i know you were going to say something but it just that immediately took me to to be very topical chris evans dick pics leaked somehow and the response was humane you know there was an, there was an initial response that was very like oh let me see it blah, blah, blah. and then there was a really strong pushback that said okay but this man is a human he's already told us he has anxiety can we please treat him like a human and not just you know spread this picture that he accidentally shared all over the world and so a we normally don't treat celebrities like people and b if we do treat them like people it's normally white men so that's racialized too fun contrast chris evans with <clears throat> safari but then right then i mean again this is <laughs> we could go on this for hours i was like how much does that play into like the fetishization of black male sexuality you know and it's like it is it celebrity like is, is it a celebrity thing or is it this other you know fetishization thing like but what, i think yeah i I don't think that that's different. I think that that's still very much the same because it's still asking the question about um, what you're choosing to share, what you're choosing to use and why you're choosing to use it. And I think that's part of the question that you have to ask. Like when we pull up somebody who, I don't know, I, like if it's somebody that's supposed to be, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I think it's, it's just still a part of the question bank that you ask yourself in terms of what you're using and why you're using it. I think that is a great point but also part of that question, because I think it's very much part of it. And I think what we're asking people to do is to also understand these levels, which there are so many levels that people are just now, A, putting words to, and B, now starting to understand. And one of those things is like, yes, you sexualize black women, black girls way earlier than you sexualize girls of other races. Yes, you expect um, specific cultures to actually be okay to stay. Like, it's okay for minority cultures to stay at home by themselves at earlier ages, but it does, like certain things that are, are less okay for people who are white. Um, the, like, those are the things that, that we do, cult, like, and as a, as a U.S. culture, um, that I think we also need to be aware of when we start asking those questions of like why we're sharing this. Does this feed into those things that we are already doing? And I think that's just, that's part of the work that we're talking about. But I'm also pushing back on me slash, I don't know, maybe it's me. Um, but to to the point of people using these, the other reason where I, where I was like, I don't really care is because it's entertainment. So when you go into entertainment, you go into entertainment trying to be entertaining. Um, and so can we also get mad at people for entertaining themselves with the thing that was provided for them to be entertained by? You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think the, the neighbor thing is a different conversation from the celebrity memes that we're talking about. I would agree. I think that that's like a good point is like people are being entertained by those who are entertainers. And I, and I also like, did they get paid? Like Nini's getting paid. 
Nini is probably not. Nini says use a new Nini gift every day. Nini loves it. Yes. She's good. She's not mad. So, okay. So as we wrap up, I want to ask for your leaves and your takeaways because, um, like for me personally, I, like I said, I came into this not really having an opinion. I think I have a little bit more of an opinion, but also no. Um, as I, as you just saw, since I pushed back against the me that was pushing back. Um, so I don't know that I still have an opinion, but I am interested to know what you guys would like to leave people with and what you're taking away. For my takeaway from this conversation, I would say when consuming any cultural product or interacting with anyone, proximity is more important than you think. And you can cultivate a position relative to whoever you're dealing with that is too close, where you're Jessica Krug, or that is too far, where you're a person who's never seen or heard of, I love New York, but are quick to say, Beyonce, for my leave, what I would like to leave y'all with, I would say, be very careful about who can exploit the power vacuum left by those you displace. And if you feel the need to do something, try to counteract the negatives that are going to come from it beforehand. I like it. Um, I guess for me, my leave would be entertainment is, you know, like be entertained by entertainers, but also know that all entertainment has a history and just sort of be aware of that and I guess that's also kind of my takeaway is just like don't be afraid to ask yourself questions um, and be okay with all of the answers that you may get back from yourself uh I I have trouble picking a takeaway because y'all are so smart y'all said so many good things I feel like I have I have much to take away I guess what I'm really going to take away is just really reconsidering Eric like you said my my proximity to a lot of the stuff that I use on social media like the idea of do I know anything about this if I find myself engaging with this repeatedly on the internet do I know anything about this person in real life or or anything about their context or you know if I find myself doing a TikTok dance do I know anything like did I do my research to find out is this something that I got from a white person who stole it from a black person who hasn't gotten their shine? You know, so that's, that's my takeaway. Um, just to be more critical about the history of the things I engage with. And then uh, my leave, which I've been trying to mention this whole conversation that just never, uh, there was never an appropriate moment, is just that um, the term transracial, which we use, which was popularized in the racial Dolezal era, um, actually before it came into vogue, to talk about people who are white, who are pretending to be black, um, was actually used by adoptees, transracial adoptees, by, by people of color who were adopted, primar primarily people of color who were adopted by white people. And so it's a little bit like, um, if you're familiar with, there's the whole thing about poly, like poly is used for polyamorous people, but like Polynesian people were like, no, that was our word and we've been using that forever, right? So transracial, I mean, that is, by necessity kind of the term now for, for the Rachel Dolezal and the Jessica Cruz. But also, you know, one thing to leave you with is that term has also been used a lot by people of color who have been adopted uh, by white people and also to explore um, their experiences. 
So yeah, that's just something else to think about when you think about transracial identity. Like I honestly learned so much. Um, I think honestly my leave and my takeaway has already been said, which is also being more aware and I'm charging myself with this as well is like being more aware of, of what I choose to share. But I think that's also a good rule of thumb in life specifically in this life where we live um, on social media platforms is be aware of what you're sharing um, and what effects that has um, on other people. Um, But I I do think that even for me, I I will ask more questions of myself. So I think that's just the leave and the takeaway for me. Um, There are so many other good things that y'all said, like I'm gonna have to go back and listen and take notes because I was like, I'm glad I'm just here to ask questions. I don't have to be responsible for sounding smart. That's great. Um, Thanks y'all for doing that heavy lifting. I appreciate that. Um, But to those of you who are listening, create hope, forge a path, change the world. We'll see you guys next episode.